Hi there ladies. You've tuned into Fierce and Fearless, the podcast that's all about empowering you, the modern unstoppable woman. And I'm Sonali and I'm Zoe. Joining you to dive headfirst into real raw conversations about everything that matters to you. From the roller coaster ride of motherhood to the adrenaline rush of fitness and nutrition. The hustle bustle of entrepreneurship and the undeniable importance of mental health. As we navigate through the sisterhood journey, we are all set to debunk myths, challenge norms and get really candid about everyday highs and lows of womanhood. So whether you're squeezing in an episode during your morning workout, during your well-deserved coffee break, or after tucking the kids into bed, you're welcome. This is your time. It's us together. Welcome, ladies, to the first episode of Fierce and Fearless. Our topic today is our kids are mini versions of us. We will be discussing how our attitudes, teachings, actions shape our children. We all want to ace the parenting game. We want to raise confident, kind and successful kids. But man, the advice out there can be confusing. That's for sure. I mean, Sonali and I, when you and I thought about doing this topic as our opening episode for our podcast, I remember us feeling super overwhelmed and so concerned because, I mean, parenting is like running the most rewarding marathon with a thousand people kind of shouting directions at you all at once. Absolutely, Zoe. So, I mean, it's critical to remember that children, being excellent observers, imbibe everything we do, right? It's harsh reality. So as mothers, we are constantly reflipping, flipping between the needs of our children, family, moms, and not to mention, we have the internet on our fingertips. So we've got so much of information coming in and we still have to ensure that we instill confidence, independence, and bring up really compassionate kids within this world and noise and chatter. So let's try and dive into this. And today's podcast is not really about how you should parent. It's really none of our business, to be honest, but it's more about the realization that you are now a parent and how we, Zoe and I, can enable you guys in a small way to just sort of make that journey simple, easy and slightly more rewarding. So let's try and bring up our children who will become individuals who we genuinely admire without losing the essence of parenting in the process. Very true. So for me, I see this wonderful stage of life as an opportunity and a responsibility, as well as a special gift. It's an adventure at the same time, I'm not going to lie, because I, for one, really felt that I needed to be ready to take this stage of my life, which is motherhood, on especially with regards to my profession and the changes that my body was going to experience. I needed time and less stress in other aspects of my life is what I believed. I felt like I needed knowledge. I wanted to be certified in pre and postnatal training. I wanted to really know what I was about to go through. I wanted to be able to balance it properly. And I just wanted to make sure that I had things, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak as Sonali's beginning to like notice. And I just wanted to make sure that I had like a couple of things in place and, you know, yeah, just feel balanced about it. And honestly, truth be told, there is no perfect time to become a mom. I do agree with that. But I have to say, even though I'm considered to be quite an old mom, I'm turning 39 in 10 days. 
and I'm about to have my second child in the next two months. And to be really honest, I'm actually glad that I waited. I actually am happy that I had this time and perspective to get myself prepared. And I'm, you know, also not going to lie and be really open about it. But getting pregnant was not easy for me. I experienced two miscarriages and that wasn't easy at all. I got lots of external pressure all the time. But, you know, let's face it. Motherhood is all about becoming a new and improved version of ourselves. And we don't ever actually go back to being the old versions of ourselves. We have to just learn to embrace this new us. That's so, so true. And that's really heartwarming to hear, Zoe. Everything does actually happen for a reason. I mean, you know, I don't know, but I feel that things do they all come in together, right? So yeah, so I'm glad that, you know, you've had the journey that you've had. So let's jump right into it, right? So we're going to cover a lot today. Yep. So we are ready. I think I'm going to start with the biggest shocker here that I think you and I agree on. And, and that is that there is actually, no matter how much research we have done, there is no right way to raise a child. Okay. We're both doing it. Parenting is anything but straightforward. It can be very mystical. It can be very demanding. It can be confusing, sometimes very thought-provoking and sort of like an emotional roller coaster is what I would like to describe it as. There are times that I visualize myself responding to my son, Zai, like in this situation of like rage and fear because of what he's about to do or just done. And instead, I find myself like speaking calmly, softly in this manner where in my head I'm saying something else, but I'm saying something else when it comes out. And I've really become so aware that I have this sort of tiny human being who watches, listens, and he sort of imitates everything that I do. It's like I'm on camera all the time. So I have to be super careful as a parent. That's what I feel is happening. <laughs> yes. Amen to that, right? So research actually does show us, and this is a bit of a tongue twister here, authoritative parents versus authoritarian parents, right? So authoritative is basically those who are warm, empathetic, but yet strict, while authoritarian, you know, are the ones who are cold, unempathetic, but strict. So fear becomes the main driver for them. And while for the other side, it's all about explaining and going through the process over and over again so that the child understands, right? You still set boundaries, but you're slightly more explanatory about it. So, you know, it's critical to start your style of parenting from the very beginning so that you can set the standards and you can carry through that. The more we keep switching and not following, the more confused they get. You know, our kids are just, they're just so smart. It's, it shocks me sometimes. So be consistent, choose your parenting style and just flow with it. Wow, because I'm really glad that I did not have to explain either of those two words. I don't think I can even say it. I have to also say that I definitely am a, a kind of maybe a merge of those two, depending on sometimes, but what actually ends up coming out of my mouth is always very different. One of the biggest things that I love doing and I feel has really helped me with my relationship with Zai is that I kind of speak to him like he's my friend. He's, you know, sort of like my age. I try not to treat him in this very sort of baby-like manner. I try and, uh, you know, uh, you know, use full sentences, explain situations, try and, you know, tell him the whole story, you know, tell him what I did for work or what I'm going to eat for lunch. What do you want to eat for lunch? You know, I kind of like play with him and I kind of like involve him in a very sort of social setup between us. And I feel that it's created a situation of thought, 
patience. I can see his little mind working, you know, strong decision-making skills come out. And I feel like it's actually just a habit of mine that I've realized I do because now I see it in somebody else. I even talk to my dogs, you know, I mean, I'm like, hey guys, what do you, what time do you want to go for your walk today? You know, like I can just be like, you know, just randomly having a chit chat about, oh, I'm going up to work out. You guys want to come upstairs? And they're all like, yay, you know, and four of them get very excited. They just do. It's very weird. And I am a bit nuts. I mean, I, I you know, it's fine. If you think I'm nuts, I, I, I you know, I deserve it. You're just fine. <laughs> So, you know, we all talk to our kids, right? And I think that it's the best thing we can do. Talk to them with clarity, keep repeating it. It takes some time for them to understand. You know, Shivaya is now two and a half. So every time I ask her, so what did you do in school today? And then she will try and formulate sentences. So you can see that her mind is working. She's trying to say, I danced or I painted or I did this. And then, you know, when she just can't say beyond that she just like go silent as okay fine that's also okay <laughs> I love it I love when their minds are like you can hear their minds like working yeah right? exactly it's like a tick 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 <laughs> so let's really not sugarcoat it right the early years is just about them eating sleeping pooping and just you know all of that on repeat mode and keeping you on your toes so every mom has a unique story right that is probably why there is no school for parenting right I am a very career-driven person. I just wanted to work. I wanted to set up my business. So for me, child was not a priority. But suddenly this COVID happened, right? And I was like, oh, I have so much time. Now what to do, right? And then, you know, obviously my husband wanted to have kids and I wasn't sure. And I said, okay, let's do it. You know, it's now or never and let's do it. And I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I love being a mother. I think it makes me proud that I can actually take care of another human being. And I wouldn't change it for the world. So what about you? You know, like I pointed out in the beginning, I felt I needed to be ready. And I always wanted to be a mom, you know, and I, there was a phase where I was really worried that I might not be one, you know, after you have, you know, a miscarriage twice, you're just like, wow, okay, a lot of sort of like stuff comes into your mind. But, you know, motherhood is such a significant change. You know, it just basically who we are and how we existed completely changes after you become a mom priorities have changed. And I've realized that for me, actually, the best coaching job I have ever had is being a mom, you know, being a health and fitness coach as my profession, I have literally, you know, learned essential basics that over the past 10 years, I have tried my level best to create into habits that are easy for not only me to follow because you have to set this, you know, the example, but for my clients to actually embrace and understand that something as simple as, you know, your habits regarding nutrition need to just be very simple, right? The more complicated they are, the harder they are to follow. And honestly, how to create something like a balanced meal, for instance, is something that just, you know, many of my, who are all women, my clients, they just don't know how to do. And they don't have like their basic routine set in place of, you know, eating just at a regular time, you know, of the day or sort of like having meals at meal times. You know, they have this tendency to like skip meals. They have, you know, all of this together, unfortunately, ends up with them having issues like body dysmorphia, you know, eating disorders. And in many cases, just far worse, actually, you know, like, and, and this becomes their natural way of you know, dealing when it comes to food, like food becomes the enemy. And honestly, I've realized how important it is because children soak up like sponges, everything that we do, 
right? Everything that we're doing, they're just watching us all the time. And the thing is, is that I, as a coach, strangely enough, I'm not very strict, okay? I don't believe in such a strict approach. I don't believe in rewarding exercise with special foods or like today is my cheat day. I don't really focus on that being a criteria. I don't necessarily limit things to a certain day or an occasion. And, uh, you know, some people find that weird, but I have actually just found it that the way that my mind works and when I am more relaxed and I don't have these restrictions put on me, I'm actually able to not give so much importance to something like a dessert or something like a cheat day or something like uh, a reward. You know, I worked out and burned this many calories or I deserve to have this, you know. I, I've found that that is actually easier for me to deal with as a situation than rather thinking, that, you know, these things need to be rewarded and they are, you know, sort of tit for tat kind of a situation. I try to not, you know, do that. And for me, food, you know, bad associations with food can start so early, right? They start very early. I sometimes realize that. And I understand that, you know, food isn't the enemy. I try to sort of put that through, you know, across desire. I just, you know, I don't overemphasize anything. I try and look at food that is good for us in a very excited way. Like, yay, we're going to have avocado tonight. Or like, you know, we're going to be having, uh, you know, sweet potato fries, like whatever. Like I just try and make it sort of like, you know, an exciting thing. And I kind of, you know, try and make both clients and my child understand and remember that, you know, food is not the enemy. Okay. I think that's just like one of the, the things that I have found that I need to try and make it out very clearly to sort of like, you know, everyone that I'm working with, you know, because I, I remember that if you're a bad, confused, reward driven, restricted eater as a parent, then your children is going to be completely the same. And that's what we have begun, you know, we started to understand that. And food issues need to end with us as parents so that we don't transfer these problems I mean, we get it enough. There's enough stuff and pressure on women, especially out there when it comes to body image. And I just think that it needs to end with us as parents and teach our kids knowledge. Knowledge is power. Yeah, knowledge is truly power. You know, when you become a first time parent or a mom, it takes some reading up. It takes some, you know, you've constantly at it, right? Especially when it comes to nutrition, because you're suddenly like, oh, whatever this child you know, at six months eats is on me. So people take that responsibility very seriously and you should. But sometimes I feel that, I mean, being in the space of nutrition for kids, I feel that it's taken way too seriously, right? There's so much of emphasis put on it as to what they're going to, I mean, of course, you have to think of very strategically what they should eat, but how much have they eaten? Have they eaten one cup? Have they eaten half a cup? How many calories is that? How much is that? You know, that child is getting all that energy. It's understanding everything, the anxiety, you know, the whole dynamics are changing. So, you know, I just say that there's a very simple line that says, you know, your kids will 100% eat, you know, what you eat, what your house eats, what your family eats, right? So, you know, if you eat, if you like to have, let's say, chai with biscuits, they're going to have chai with biscuits. My daughter wants her tea once in a while and I can't say no, right? I love my tea. So, you know, I can't be so black and white. I can't say no, you know, I'm going to have tea, but you just drink your milk. That just doesn't work. And, and you know, now when they start speaking, they just want to say and they want to ask and they want to do everything on their own, right? So I think that, you know, there's just no yes and no's. It's not black and white. With nutrition, keep it simple. 
don't put too much pressure you know don't be too anxious and if you're going to have a dessert after a meal then make a healthy dessert for your child after their meal yeah because they're also going to want it i mean you can't deny it to them so basically everything that you know if we if you as a family or anyone as a family likes to have dessert after their meal make a healthy dessert for your child as well right because it's going to permeate in their life and the way they eat if you don't want them to pick up the habit then sorry just give it up right there's no two ways about it so that be aware and keep it simple you know when it comes to nutrition the thing is you know as my approach as a coach as i pointed out is that i try to share the knowledge aspect the science behind it you know and display excitement for meal times for feeling satisfied after i've eaten something that's really yummy like you know eggs and toast for instance just does wonders to my mood like you know anyone who knows me really well will be like bro it's just eggs and toast and i'm just like i love that you know and you know we'll have a piece of dark chocolate at the end of every meal i just you know it needs something sweet and i've satisfied myself well by doing that you know and i'm content i think being content is what's important if you're content not having something in your life then you're okay but if you think about it all the time which is what i find my clients actually do when they're told they can't have something it's like what they want right then they just can't function and that's why i think that having everything in moderation is really really important and you know i'm not going to lie but i have a diet coke every now and then you know and zai sees me have it i don't try to hide it from him I just be like oh you want something and we've made like a little bit of a game and he kind of is luckily more interested in the can than he is in the actual content of the can right now so we do a little fake game where he pretends to have a sip and I'm like mm you know and then he just like carries on like he's not interested in it anymore and I just kind of like hope that that might continue on and he'll continue to just make that a funny game I don't know where it's going you know I'll have to see how this develops but you know when I have a Starbucks I'm like yay we're going to Starbucks you want to have a croissant and, and then he'll see my straw and cup that's more exciting I'm like oh you want to have a sip I like fake give him a sip whatever I don't know how long it'll work but the truth is I just don't want to hide it from him if I'm doing it like you said you know I think that that just gives the wrong ideas and then gives too much focus and too much importance to that particular thing which is what I'm trying to kind of like avoid you know i and i think that uh, keeping myself happy by allowing myself to have these things once in a while is what allows me to just not overemphasize how good or amazing or anything they were because i haven't put a restricted time on it i can have it when i want and you know honestly flat out restrictions in my life make me suffer from fomo like i literally have this fear of missing out in general and it'll just play on my mind until i actually get to have it so you know let's see how this goes with my approach to this aspect of parenting but uh, yeah i believe in moderation so i think that restricting things will actually end up being more harmful than they will being more helpful you know i just and just reiterating what i said and keeping four basic tips in mind which is basically you offer they eat if they don't eat too bad just don't force it okay secondly try to feed them the same time every day right you want to you know we'll talk a bit more about routine but you want to get the hang of pangs going because you know they used to having lunch at 1 and they used to having dinner at 7 right please don't mash their food even when they start off at 6 months their teeth don't come out till they're one and a half two you're not going to give them mash foods till then right so i mean give them soft food anything that you can like if you can push it between your fingers you know it's good to go and lastly just you know keep them moving so that they actually get hungry you know if they're just going to sit in front of a screen or not move they're not going to get hungry so keeping that you know in mind i think nutrition can be kept simple and we just don't you know uh, complicate it too much yeah i think this leads on really well sonali because 
I think that we can address this next topic, even though I think it requires a lot more of an episode at some point down the line, because, um, but I think it's worth us mentioning is the whole aspect of breastfeeding implications and the pressures that we go through as moms and how we're made to feel like that is how our kid is going to be set up really well for immunity situations, being a stronger kid and just much better for them and this and that. And there's so much science that supports that agreed. But the thing is, for me, in my personal journey, I chose that to sort of be adaptable when that came across. And I did what helped to keep me sane and happy in in that moment of uh, what I think and and what you agreed with when we chatted about this is that you want to do what works for you and keeps you happy, right, as, as a mom. And despite, you know, the recommended exclusive breastfeeding for six months, my experience with Zai was not easy at all. And because of my lack of knowledge, lack of guidance from people, and even just asking maybe, you know, I, my experience with Zai was not easy. You know, when I look back now, I was... I was in pain. I was uncomfortable from my C-section. I felt restricted when I had to sit down in one spot and just wait and keep trying. You know, when Zai was hung, like there was, a, he was really hungry in the beginning. So he'd be crying a lot. And, you know, I gave into formula. Instead, I researched uh, a really good formula and I, go, I went out of my way to get hold of it. And I uh, chose to like not have a screaming child and an uncomfortable grouchy mom and gave him formula in the moment. And, you know, it, I was definitely consumed by a lot of guilt initially. Uh, when I look back, there were phases during that tough time as a new mom where you sort of doubt everything you're doing. And I would keep pushing myself through the pain and I would be like, I need to, um, you know, uh, pump more. I need to like try and like, you know, give him, supplement him a little bit, at least, you know, try. And, and I did, but I just, you know, a lot of the time I would stress myself out more about the, you know, having to do it, the pain that I had to sit through, the long nights that I was alone trying to figure out how to do this and having a crying baby on top of things and you feeling like you can't, you know, supply adequately to them. I ended up, you know, just with low milk supply, which makes it even tougher, right? Everything becomes just like, like a mess of like confusion, you know, and it leaves you feeling, you know, super guilty. And I was guilty to even ask for help because I was almost embarrassed. And let me put it out there right now, you know, don't, don't allow yourself to not ask for help. If you need it, ask for it. There's no right way to be a mom. And, you know, even though I didn't ask for it and I chose formula, I'm happy to say that I made an informed choice at that time and I chose to be happy and content. And within, you know, two or three weeks, I was just a much more relaxed mom without that added pressure. I tried as much as I could for the first three months, but instead I, you know, let myself realize that it is what it is. He's happy. He's content. You know, I can not be hard on myself and I can be the happy mom that I, I should be. And, you know, I just think that it's worth us touching upon right now. And I know that you're perspective was totally different and your experience. So why don't you tell me how you dealt with it? Yeah. So, um, of course, I mean, every mom wants to breastfeed and that was definitely, you know, I also had <laughs> my added pressure. My husband very cutely, he's like, you, I thought I wouldn't breastfeed. I said, no, 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 I have to get back to work. Formula is the way. And I was, uh, he used to be like, you'll breastfeed for a bit. No, I said, it is not your decision. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a whole other episode <laughs> right there. <laughs> It was very sweet, of course. But, you know, we're all formula babies at the end of the day. But I started the journey, you know, I had a very tough birth. Pregnancy was easy. Birth was really tough, but managed to had an emergency C-section. And when I started feeding, 
again, same problems, you know, supply was low, didn't know the real positions. She was a hungry baby, you know, but I took support, right? I had a doula and I was, I was in touch with her for the first few weeks. And my best friend, I just had a baby who was also breastfeeding. So we would talk all the time. And I tell you, kid you not, she was literally like being my coach through the entire, you know, those first six weeks, which are, I think they're just those first six to eight weeks. If you get through to that, breastfeeding is a bliss, right? Because it's so much more convenient. And I think that um, another book that really helped me and sort of to go through breastfeeding was this one. So it's called Your Baby Week by Week. And everything that I sort of felt and was going through, it's like it was written, right? So I said, oh, I'm not the only one, right? There are a lot of other mothers going through the same thing. So, you know, breastfeeding, not breastfeeding, formula, no formula, whatever it is, right? At the end of the day, the most important person who has to be happy is you as a mother, because that all of that energy is going into your child. And you don't want that stress, that anxiety, that pressure to go in. So go with what works for you. And you know, it's your decision at the end of the day. So we have that power. That's true. We honestly do have that power. And at that moment, like I said, I wish I felt like that. It took me a while to feel like that. Because this leads really well onto, you know, there's obviously so much more we can talk about with breastfeeding, but I think it's more about the energy that you you are giving across as your mom. You want you, you transfer that to your baby right from the get-go, right from day one, right? So being in the right peace of mind is good. This really nicely slips into sleep, okay? Which is, uh, you know, I think another whirlwind of situations when it comes to parents and, you know, for first-time moms especially, I think uh, we end up having very little say, right, when it comes to sleep because, you know, you're their go-to person. And, you know, that whole idea of, you know, seven to eight hours of recommended sleep just goes out of the window. And in fact, many people in your household, they don't even expect you to be sleeping. They're like, oh, you're a mom. You don't need to sleep. And I'm just like, what, right? It's, it becomes like this whole situation. And, you know, I'm going to be very honest here about the situation because I want you to, I want our listeners to realize that everyone's story is unique and different. And we do again what is easier or makes us happier parents. And I think that that is what we want to emphasize because as your, your kid will pick up what you transfer, right? And with Zai, it's been nearly two years. He's nearly two years old. And I'm about to start this whole journey of sleep again with the next one in, in like eight weeks to go. And I just want to say that putting your baby to sleep and teaching them how to sleep, I'm going to do it a little differently, even though I did use certain different approaches. I think that as moms, we deal with this quite differently. You would agree, right? Oh, yeah. I think that, I mean, we wanted, we, ideally, we would have liked to have sleep trained Shivaya, but we did none of it. We went the complete other way. Oh, we can't see our daughter cry and this is inhuman. And, you know, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I think that when you breastfeed, the game changes because it's so much easier, right? You just pop your boob out, you know, and the child goes to sleep, right? <laughs> You literally have to do anything. You might have to keep doing it over and over again, but eventually the child just comes to your boob and it's you don't even get up sometimes, you know. By the way, tell me something because I'm just preparing myself. It's like when you do that, you then burp them every time as well. You try, you try, but they don't take so much at night, right? I mean, the first few weeks, yeah. Right, smaller you know? amounts. First few weeks, yeah. it's different because they are just on that cycle, right? I mean, there is no day and night. That's so true, There's you no know? day and night. Because actually with formula... 
this is like a whole other conversation, right? By the way, but but like with formula, like they would take so much more than probably that they could take that he they would end up puking, and the burping was so important. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's I think with you know, I guess formula and bottles were not there before, so the child would just breastfeed, go back to sleep, and then that just be you know a cycle. So I I I did that for about fourteen months, and then after that, I said, peace out. And now my husband, since then, has been sleeping with Shivaya. I know, I know how lucky I am, no doubt. But it's just been. My husband doesn't even wake up. <laughs> no, Yadu is great. So, uh, but we 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 didn't have it in us to sleep train, right? So we just put her next to us on the bed, and it's been going ever since. But now she won't sleep alone, right? So it's two and a half years. She needs someone there. So you know, again, it's got its. ups and downs pros and cons right but i think that a couple of things that i feel that if you go down the completely leftist route just make sure that a even if you're breastfeeding fully make sure you give the bottle right if they don't take the bottle at a very early age and they get so used to the breast then you're screwed for a long time right so you want to have the option to be able to switch out right sometimes just give the bottle and once they understand they you know you give it early they'll you know sort of do it you know and i listen to a lot of meditative music we used to put a sleep into meditative music and that worked so that was our journey i think that if we have another child i might take advice from you on how to self soothe and strain because i don't think work will allow me to do you know the first time round same anyways i did do my own version of sleep training and I think that a lot of that was because I chose right from day one not to have any help, and we went across like that for a full year where it was just me and Varun, and that meant that I needed to definitely find ways to get a time out. Right, so sleeping had to be something that was, you know, just he. <laughs> you know i just felt that he had to learn uh, and we did our own version we did the soothing one of the 10 minutes let him be you know I, i feel like we actually did it probably a little too late in life we should have actually done it earlier on and i feel like this time round that is definitely what i'm going to be trying to do but you know i have to say that i use things like the pacifier i i don't find again that zai is addicted to the pacifier because many people are like oh you'll never be able to get it out of his mouth and i'm like no not at all actually he's just i think for me like it just i i had the same kind of approach where i just thought that if i don't put too much focus on it it's not going to be that important and luckily that kind of attitude has seemed to just work he he just wants it you know to go to sleep at night but when i go and check on him like an hour and a half later it's just hanging out of his mouth he's not even having it right he just kind of like needs it when he goes back to sleep proudly i'm going to say that after my all different ways of trying to sleep train and teaching him to self soothe and things like that at the age of 1 we shifted him into his own room he sleeps in his own room which is great but i still do need to go cuz we associated a little bit of drinking milk in the night with going to sleep which again is a mistake which in the moment you end up using any option that you have you know so he still needs a little bit of milk every night very small amount but he doesn't need me he doesn't need a human he just needs a bottle in his in his crib he'll drink it puts the lid back on in the dark and puts it back in that corner by the way and i'm just like like i need a refill you know so he's very kind of like independent and i'm really happy you know that that worked out and i mean honestly he you know he can wake up and play by himself for 15 or 20 minutes in his crib he won't have a meltdown he's fine being alone i think that we accomplished some pretty good things because it gives us par- as parents and if you're only you know doing everything by yourself and you don't have help then it gives you that little window right where you don't feel bad that he's like you know screaming out of like being alone you know 
I think that it allows me also to then establish this foundation that I think will work long-term for Zai because now he can actually self-soothe himself and look after himself for a few minutes here and there and, you know, not have a meltdown. He knows he has his dummy if he's, you know, relaxed, uh, you know, he needs to relax. In fact, when I tell him relax, he puts his head back. You know, he's like learning like these like different things, which is like really funny, you know, because I, I think that it's important that we rub off these sort of things on our kids. And I think that this idea of relaxing, by the way, will really smoothly get us into our next element, which is, of course, my favorite element, which is movement, because I think that it is really important that we sort of make use of the fact that our bodies are designed to move, right? We are designed to function and move. And kids show that just so brilliantly. I mean, like, have you seen a kid doing a perfect squat at this age and then see them at six years old or five years old? They can't do it anymore. They can't do it anymore. Their bodies just forget how to move just like normally. And, you know, I basically ensure that Zai gets a huge amount of movement. When he's frustrated, I move him. When he is uh, upset, I move him. When he's hungry, I give him a snack and be like, let's go outside and run. You know, movement is medicine. I really, I really do believe it's like medicine. And I found that, uh, you know, luckily Zai is obsessed with football. I don't know from where he's picked it up. And it keeps him on, on the go. And there's a lot that he can actually learn from practicing skills like a sport. I think you can agree that movement and sport is super important. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no two ways about it, right? I mean, Shivaya, this is the beauty of living in a city like Gurgaon, but still living in a condominium, right? So she can go out to play. I don't have to worry so much. And, it, you know, because I myself am very much into fitness and uh, I believe in movement, I want her to go out all the time, right? So we it, two, three hours a day is basic. And then I even picked a preschool which has a gym, like a kid's gym. Awesome. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You're there for yeah. three hours, but at least at one hour, you're just like running around, hanging or like just you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you're just moving, right? So that's the most important thing. And um, we'll come back to why movement and screen time and, you know, how they're so, you know, integrated, but not not in the best way, right? Because they kind of, they pull each other apart. So movement is great. It's the most important and we have to keep that going. And again, comes back to the main point. If we move, they move. If we sit and watch television all day, they're going to sit and watch television all day. I mean, Zai sees you work out. I'm sure he's going to be in his blood. Poor guy doesn't yeah, have any he choice. I mean. <laughs> he was he was doing he's he was doing any. Now he walk. You know, it's like he walks over a carpet surface, even if it's a carpet, and he'll just do three oh, nice. squats, <laughs> and then he'll keep walking because he just thinks the mat is like a, a, like oh you my, know, God. my mat, right? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I think, and then he, and he looks at me because I sometimes think he's just like mocking me. Like he's trying to be like, oh, mom, <laughs> look here. You know, like I really think he does that, which is quite funny because, um, you know, I think that it's just so important that, you know, all areas of fitness and the skills that go with playing a sport help create such a, a versatile kid. We learn so much. We, we get such good habits from just participating in like activities that involve movement. 
they you know they help us test ourselves we try new skills we can practice using our body differently it makes our mind work differently we're we're driven we're focused on like you know getting better at something and just trying out new things because movement just teaches so much about our body and our minds and just shows us what we're capable of and i really am so grateful that this area of work is what i live for and what i sort of represent because i'm so excited to you know um pass that on to zai and i hope that i continue to do so because dude it's going to be a challenge in this world where everything is on a screen you know it just is like there's just but it's also nice to see how health and fitness is becoming so much more important across the world exactly yeah so i think we picked the best with the both worlds and at the end of the day right this is the most these are the formative years so if we instill it now it's going to stay with them for life and i say the same thing about nutrition right if you give them the right foods and they pick up you know 50% of what you want because you once you cross two right really it's not your choice they're going to want what they like to eat it's as simple as that you know like and and there'll be days they won't eat there'll be days they eat it really well and you know you just have to like flow with it and uh, you know we've spoken about that and that basically wraps up this entire section and you know i'll just say that when it comes to all of these three things like sleep nutrition and movement right with sleep your sleep is as important as theirs so choose a path that works best for you and if you can i know it's hard but sleep when the baby sleeps right nutrition you offer they eat be cool you know don't put too much pressure on it uh, believe me that negative association once it sets in it is the hardest thing to break right and if you have a tough time with your child i mean you know any of the listeners this is like been a bible you know it says that my child won't eat this guy is a uh, nutritionist spanish and he's just beautifully laid it out on how how you can reverse it as well and movement just keep moving you move they move right so that kind of sums up this entire section and takes us to my favorite part the magic of routine you know routine is key so what do you think about it so you know sonali it's like in my experience i think having a routine is like having a secret weapon okay and this doesn't just apply to kids but it applies to us as humans it gives us purpose it gives our day structure and it gives us you know no no sort of like scenario where we sort of don't show up it gives us responsibility and it gives us like discipline which above all i think is what ends up you know allowing us to actually be the best versions of ourselves is because we're able to do all the things that we set out to we're committed and i think that routine really sets that in the right motion even my dogs have a routine and like my mom will be like you know the dogs will like jump up at 5 p.m. and they're like standing there staring at me and i'm like you know they're like yes i know it's walk time you know and i think that sticking to this concept of routine in my entire house even zai 5 o'clock it's weird he knows it's like time we all go for a walk the dogs and us it's a walk time that's you know what what's what holds us together it holds the chaos together in our lives and you know i feel like it it brings some zen to your life i mean you would agree right yeah i mean totally i'm such a stickler like to the level where my friends have pretty much told me that do just loosen up a bit right and <laughs> when it comes to kids i think that the minute they're in a routine a lot of those meltdowns are taken away because they know exactly like all humans like to know what's going to happen next right it's just human nature so if they know exactly what's going to happen next then they're they're okay with it right they've made peace with it when they don't when they're not okay with it of course they'll make 
make it loud and clear but you know they thrive on routine and knowing that okay this is time to sleep this is time to eat this is time to go out you know and i'm super anal my you know i make sure that my nanny keeps it you know to the t and um, and you know even with hunger pangs it happens like 7:30 it's dinner time she needs her dinner so i think that you know rather than letting that mood tsunami hit you right just keep a routine and then within that here and there you'll have some tantrums but it's a game changer in parenting in my point of view spot on i i really agree with you and i try to do this with all my clients and i tell them that they need to get into a really full-fledged stubborn routine there's this you know this little gem from john maxwell which i've read and it's you know you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily the secret of your success is found in your daily routine and honestly it just rings so true habits and routines are the stitches that make up this crazy blanket of our lives habits are like autopilot once they get into into a routine and it just allows consistency and it just allows everybody to be on the same page and it it really allows for people to really flourish and be the best version and our kids really really benefit from us being like that ourselves and instilling that for them too exactly so i always say this and i say this about work like people ask me how have you managed to start a business have a child run a home xyz i said routine it sets you free the minute you have a routine your mind just flourishes you know thoughts can flow time I and mean, you don't think about the kitchen just what's going to happen next where's the food coming from just set a routine set it out get it out of the way so that you have time to you know think so i mean the kids don't always have to think why so you know have a routine and again you you do it they do it i have a routine shivaya knows in the morning mom's not there she's gone to the gym i'll come back drop her to school she knows the routine so i think that um uh make sure your kids have it make sure you have it and you'll see the magic happen basically <laughs> i agree because this this literally all of this brings us back to the crux of our entire chat today is that what we do now the habits that we instill now the values that we uphold they are laying down foundations and stepping stones for our children's path basically right it's like we're co-building their future and as parents it feels like we're nurturing like this really pretty little garden we're planting seeds which we hope will one day bloom into actions and and choices that empower them and you know prepare them to deal with everything that gets thrown at them in life because life isn't all beautiful it just isn't and this really moves into our next section which is your actions today shape tomorrow your tomorrow's foundation right so actually really means behavior right so you know again going back to what our topic is they mimic you you know you are their world please do not forget that and as and i now in the last 6 months i kid you not like shivaya is watching me literally like a hawk every single thing i do she wants to do and i i put up a video recently of you know i I enjoy doing makeup, right? The best part for me of going out is to getting dressed. So she wants to do makeup, and I said, "You're too, right?" <laughs> so what do you do? But they will end up doing what you do, and you're building that, you know. So you have to be so much more aware of what's happening, you know, how you're dealing, how you're talking to the staff in your home, how you sort of, you know, if you and your husband have a tiff, right? I mean, it happens. It's normal. How do you actually make up? 
that's the most important part because things like that happen you know it's normal it's human nature but how do you deal with that situation is what we want to instill in them right now because that's exactly how they're going to deal with it right yeah you, you know i just want to tell you something really funny that happened yesterday is that i realized that i actually you know like i've been with my husband like 20 years okay and like we we got together where like you know we're like oh we're not allowed to sit on the same sofa like in this house you know my mom would be like staring at us being like you know no holding hands you know so that concept of like displaying affection doesn't come like supernaturally to him and me and i realized just the other day that like i'm always asking zai for a kiss and a hug but i never ask varun you know like i'm like <laughs> and like the other day i was like oh you know papa's giving me a hug and zai's face was all like <laughs> staring at me like with this look on his face oh like my what God. are you guys doing and then yeah. i realized like that i need to do this more like we need to do like group hugs like we need to do like you know involve like it's crazy how they pick up you know what you know energy that sometimes you don't even notice you're sort of like giving across totally you know i mean at the end of the day it's just nature versus nurture debate right how you talk how you behave shapes the person i mean if you took two people born let's say two kids born to the same parent and put them in completely different environments right say one grew up in kanyakumari and one in ladakh or something they'd be different people they'd be completely different people and they'd be shaped by their family right everything that happens in their family is what's going to shape them so again very loaded it's a lot to digest but you know let's be aware and sort of go with that i mean my mom is 75 and still working and still running her own business so I I've only seen that she she got to work pretty much I think 2 weeks after I was born. I've only seen her work. Of course she's been a great mom. She's been there. She's juggled it all, but I've had a working mom. So for me to work it's second nature. Like I don't know myself if I'm not working. And um, that's because that's what I've seen. So it's very different and it's very personalized. That's really true and I think it's interesting for me to bring in over here is that my life is you know now kind of termed as an athlete. Okay, it's like I'm, you know, when you train a certain amount and you eat in a certain way and it's like a regular thing and you look a certain way the whole time and you know whole life revolves around it. You know, at least when you're trying, you know, you basically what I've realized is that my athlete brain, so to say, is like this treasure chest of life lessons that I definitely use for myself and for my son. And life, I think like sports, has its ups it has its downs like sometimes where you know people are getting married where you know growing a human we're having babies we're dealing with heartache we're dealing with loss we're dealing with resetting rebooting you know we're dealing with injuries we're dealing with you know people passing away i think a lot of these factors teach us how to juggle stress right and and us as 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 you know parents are um always having to learn how to bounce back when life throws like a curveball at us you know and i'm reminded all the time that you know when zai was learning to walk i was so worried that he might sort of like fall or hurt himself which is normal everybody thinks that you know but i realized that i do have to find a way to let him learn on his own and much to people's crazy attacks and comments because you know when you're out there on Instagram everybody likes to give you their opinion i used and found this amazing harness and everybody was like oh my god you're putting your child on a leash and i'm like yeah i walk my four dogs and my son we walk on a leash you know and i would get this like i would get this like you know stuff stuff thrown at me and i was like 
you know, in my mind, I was like, I'm assisting him to do. Otherwise, I would feel like people keep picking up their child all the time or holding them by one arm, which in my mind, you're going to end up with one arm longer than the other, one arm stronger than the other. Okay. If you go, if you go from like a, a bodily perspective, that's going to happen. Okay. So I was just like, I think that having this harness gives him this support uh, where I can protect him if he falls, but at the same time, let him loose and let him explore in a balanced manner how to sort of like walk in practice. And Zai was walking at 11 months. Like he was walking at 11 months. He was squatting at one, like properly what I would do on a call, 10 squats, like up and down. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, and I feel like kids really navigate their skills on their own when they participate in their environment where they test themselves, you know? So you have to create that scenario that they can do that. And they learn from the pressure and the anxiety, you know? Like people are like, oh, you know, uh, isn't he going to get hurt? Or aren't you restricting him from doing stuff? And I'm like, no, I actually know how to give him enough leeway on the harness. And I'll be like, mind your head, be careful, watch your head, look behind you. And it's nuts at such an early age how they pick up those cues that then actually work in your favor later on, which I'm going to explain to you in a second uh, further down the line about how I used some of these cues like no or don't go there or, you know, be careful. Like uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes about using these sort of phrases with your, with your kids. But I have to say um, it worked differently for me. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I think, you know, that also brings up to the next section, which is the fourth section, sailing through social seas and moral tides. That was a bit of a tongue twister. So, you know, they're sort of, we're gearing them up, right, to just take on, you know, go and sort of resolve conflict, right? Apart from learning the ABCs and the one, two, threes is how do you resolve conflict? And, and that brings us to the whole topic of no, right? I think you and I have done it quite differently. I really did restrict myself from saying no, right? It was like, okay, you know, if you bite, don't bite, kiss, right? So the word no was used as less as possible and a lot of explanation followed with that. But there are times when you have to say no, like, you know what, your time's up, no more screen time. She would cry and cry and cry and I just had to let her, I couldn't budge, right? And now it's fine because, you know, she knows the time's up and that's it, right? She's not, you know, so again, it's like uh, you have to, how do I say, choose your battles when it comes to these things. Also, what happens is that now she says no a lot, even though I said it so less, like, no, no. And I'm like, <laughs> like, why? Just say yes once, please just yeah. say yes. <laughs> but that is, the, you know, so it's a really tough one to navigate. And I think that everyone has their own opinion on it and how you deal with it. But whatever you do, you've got to explain it. You have to tell them, you have to give them context as to why you are asking them to do a certain way. Like if you're saying, be careful, you're saying, no, don't do that is because they're going to get hurt. And then eventually they understand that, right? Sometimes you just have to let them hit themselves and you'll be like, okay, fine. I told you so. But it's tough to navigate this whole space of how to say it, when to say it, you know, and goes back to up that whole topic on how to parent. Yeah, I think that this, um, you know, sailing through social seas and moral tides, I, I do love this sort of title because, you know, I think that our children are definitely growing in a world which is highly complex and it's very challenging. I think that it's very different from our parents' time. They're going to encounter much more in all forms social is issues, you know, such as bullying. I mean, like dealing dealing with that one is, you know, difficult. Dealing with the pandemic and the restrictions that I think many parents had to put 
on their kids. Like all of these issues that come about really make it all the more important that the way we kind of provide these so-called life jackets for these kids to deal with stress is, you know, important. And I think that's where I want to bring in here this idea of the big bold no that you have, you know, brought about because this was a, a learning hill for me because I did face a lot of criticism on my Instagram for putting up a video of Zai and I, uh, him trying to bite me and me saying no. And my no was very stern and very strict. And he would kind of challenge me, but still try to do it again. And, you know, and I would try to say how it isn't nice to bite and, you know, only loving kind of similar to how you said, you know, but my, my no was quite stern. And some found it too harsh. And the, the truth is that I, I read something because I felt like I needed some kind of like confirmation as to why my natural instinct was to teach him this word no. And I read that this particular doctor, uh, Markham is his name, and he would say that, you know, shying away from using the word no can leave your kids quite ill prepared for the real world. You know, like, it sort of allows you to create boundaries because there are boundaries in life, right? You know, there are some scenarios that definitely demand a clear no-go zone, right? They just do, like, you know, teaching them the do's and don'ts of something like road safety, for instance, you know, like, I mean, you can't, you're not going to be like, oh, don't, you know, like, you're not going to like try to be really soft when like a car is coming. You're going to be like, shout out no. And if your kid doesn't understand that response or that boundary crossing, you know, you're not, you're going to have a problem. You know, these are sort of situations and you're etching these boundaries early on and you're sculpting like a future where, you know, your child you're hoping is going to imbibe these moral values like gratitude and honesty and sharing and respect, boundaries of other people, you know, cooperation, compassion, like, you know, these are the real de deal. Like these are things that kids are going to learn and learning the word no is such a base form for that, at least I believe. And even as babies, they they start to pick up the difference between right and wrong so early on, right? They embrace these moral ideas from us. They craft personalities and characters that, uh, you know, they can be proud of and we can be proud of as parents. So I think with no, you know, it's all about the context and how you say, like, no one's saying, you know, don't say no. But when you say no, A, you have to repeat yourself as to why you're saying no. Right. And also the thing is like, you know, when Shivaya paints right now, first I used to tell her that don't, uh, don't smudge the walls. Right. She's going to go and just make, you know, she'll do her painting then she'll go and go fuck. Right. Like she wants to do that because she knows it triggers me. And I, by the way, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I, I have to say there are, you know, when you tell a kid, no, you can't exactly. do that. They only want to do that. But that's a thing, which right? is going back to like my whole point about yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what do I, you know, in that situation, I was like, okay, I just use me, you know, she doesn't know, but these are washable. So it's okay. And then I make her here. Now you just clean this up, right? Do this, you know. So I just stopped saying, like, I stopped her from doing it. But yes, but in like dangerous situations or in like absolute situations, you have to sort of, you know, like road safety, 100%, right? You have to sort of draw the line because they don't have the understanding that this car can come and, you know, they don't have that understanding. So I think, you know, but what happens is that people use it so often that they instill fear, right? So the child grows up thinking that, oh, no, I can't do this. No, I can't do that. No, I can't do this. No, I can't do that. The minute they start thinking like that, that's when the fear sets in. And then that's that kind of reverses the entire parenting that you've done. And now we can talk about 
no to screen time, the digital dimension. I've been a strict no for that one, for sure. I'm <laughs> loving these titles that we've been we've been giving that are sections. Yeah. yeah. How have you dealt with it? I mean, what's your take and then I'll give mine. I'm definitely one for not like being able to ignore this massive digital elephant situation. People criticize me about being on Instagram all the time and I'm like, it's my job. You know, I'm on, I'm on uh, the phone a lot, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like our kids are, no matter what and however we look at it, they're sort of born into this Wi-Fi world, you know, up to their eyeballs. I mean, in my husband, he's in, he's working in technologies, developing apps with AI. I mean, he's on the computer all the time. You know, so this is a complete battleground for us in our house quite often. But at the end of the day, I think we need to take it in a certain way where, at least for me, I'm not going to lie. And there have been times where I've used screen time to sort of like relax Zai or calm him down or give myself a breather. I'm just like, dude, I need like, I need to wind down too. So I know he'll what he'll sort of relax. And I use, uh, interestingly enough, Zai loves to watch videos of himself playing football, for instance. Like I keep videoing him out and about, you know, doing funny things or playing with any form of a ball is his obsession. And he'll like to just only watch his own videos. And I don't know whether he's going to turn into this like narcissist, like, you know, person, like when he's like older, I'm just like, oh my God, like what, what kind of like effect is this going to have? But at the end of the day, I'm really happy that he's trying to practice his craft, you know, and get really good at his skills. But yeah, you know, sometimes where he's getting a little cranky and he's not finishing his, you know, food or, or not finishing or not just, you know, just not like eating it like contently or he's relaxed. I do pull it out on the plane, on the airplane, when we go to a restaurant where, you know, it's just like really difficult and you're, you don't want the rest of the world to have like a screaming child in their face. I have pulled out like these videos and I'm like, oh, you know, hey, let's, let's watch this. So, you know, I am guilty again in moderation of allowing things, you know, I stand by that approach. And I just think that the simple act of putting our phones on sort of like off sometimes and just diving into some focused playtime and letting, letting Zai know that, you know what, we'll watch it later or we, we'll save it for some, you know, family time. We'll all sit together and watch something on the sofa is like a better approach than at least for me making him cry it out and just leave him and say like, no, 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 we're not going to do it. I just find like this for me is a easier uh, way to balance tech time and just being more aware and conscious about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've just put it into routine, right? I start, I pushed her watching television till much, much late, you know, where we basically tried, you know, we didn't introduce her to the phone or a screen till much later. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, you know? So now it's, it's just designated time. Great, great. You are, well done. Well done. I mean, it's, that's a challenge in itself. Like I said, I think parents really do things in amazing ways when they need to challenges right you you manage yeah but you know now it's like when she's watching tv she's watching tv right that's it no one's no one can touch her no one can like it's her time <laughs> she's in the zone right but it's also a weapon then right if i if shit hits the roof like if you say we're in on a plane and i need to just calm her if i put this on it's silence you know, we're all good, right? <laughs> we're all good. I, I feel really bad. I feel really bad thinking about our parents and the earlier generations. Like, what the hell yeah. did they use, man? Seriously, like, it must have been much, much harder. Harder, but I also like to think that they just used to let us scream and shout and be very, like, you know, sort of imposing on other people around us. It's pretty much what I think my mother was like, yeah, I used to just let you scream and shout and throw a tantrum on the floor in the airport. I was like, great. 
I don't know, like, if that's like something that will be acceptable anymore in today's like, you know. I mean, they also travel less, right? I mean, it's different. Like, yeah, you, you, you lived in a joint yeah. family, I think it was very different. Um, there were so many other kids to play with all the time. So, you know, we followed a couple of things that I've always followed is one, do not give the phone or iPad. Because once they realize that they can run around with it, the whole game changes, right? So it's like, okay, this is a fixed object. You have to sit, you know, for the eyes because they're obviously developing. You've got to keep this distance. And then it's on when you're done. TV's off. Time to go play, you know? Obviously, it's not that I've not used the iPad. It's not that I've not used the phone. But it's very limited. And even then, I keep it and she's not allowed to touch it. She's not allowed to touch it, dude. She's to stay away. She's to sit at a distance and do it. I mean, by now, most kids of her age can like, play their own song, literally, right? Shivaya can't, and I haven't, I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing, but we've kept it sort of, you know. But yeah, when she was watching TV, she's watching TV, and I have to give her that time then, you know. I've promised it, it's part of a routine, it, you know, you've got to get it. And screen time while eating, though, is just, you know, it's not something that I promote or, you know, advocate at all. Also, and it's not for any other reason, because I also feel that people, uh, kids will lose the sense of just eating, right? They don't then know, like I have seen kids who are literally, you know, with an iPad, the maid is feeding them or the parent is feeding them. They will eat whatever is given to them. They don't know what's going in. They don't know how much is going in. So you've already lost your sensation of understanding food, right? Like even even parents are like that. Adults are like this. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I don't want that. And we don't do it. We don't watch that much television. So I think that that also permeates to her. And that's why childhood obesity is so big in India, right? Because A, the quality of food that you're feeding and B, is the screen time feeding, right? So if you can manage it the way you do, like in and out, not, you know, it's not the focus and this and that, I think it's okay. But avoid it if you can, otherwise it becomes too convenient. Yeah, it's too convenient. No, I agree. I think I think this is uh, definitely a balancing act in this world. It's a challenge for all parents. And, you know, the way in which we handle it very much does have an effect on how our children will sort of grow. So it is something that we have to be very aware of. And in most cases, it's our own habits of our own screen time and our own, you know, watching TV or video, you know, whatever it is we're doing that actually our kids are learning from. So it's actually us who has to pull back in order to suggest to them that that's the way to go. I am happy to say that this is bringing us on to our final section. But we took this challenge. We took this challenge to see what we could, you know, this very heavy, strong, uh, close to our heart topic, I think was the best place even for you and me to get to know each other. And I think that, you know, uh, our final section, which is what we have called growing together one step at a time, is very much about us surfing the waves of our own personal growth, right? Because it's really crucial to remember the ripple effect that that then has, like we've been saying, on our kids, right? Every action that we take is like we're planting a seed that one day will sprout into becoming their actual beliefs and their habits. Parenting, I think, you know, is a lot more than just teaching our kids how to tie their shoelaces, right? You know, where also their go-to emotional responses and interaction models, like we teach them how to deal with those aspects of life. And our every move, whether it's intentional or it's not, 
helps frame their mental situation. It helps frame their behavior. How do you feel a feeling, right? Like we have been brought up to not feel, right? Like don't feel like this. Boys don't cry or like, you know, this kind of stuff. Oh, man. Like why that, are you... This is that? a whole heavy topic you're touching <laughs> upon right now, Sonali. You know, this stuff is like so deep and it's so required. It's yeah, there. but you it's know... Out there. It's out there, man. And you see it and you see what people have gone through because they've been told that, right? So one step at a time, you have to delink it. And not saying that, you know, the way my parents parented me, um, but I went for three years of therapy, right? And I think that every human being needs to go for therapy. That's a different, and again, another different topic, but allow your kids to feel, allow them to sort of know what that feeling is. You know, we have basically four primal feelings, right? Which is angry, happy, sad, and love, right? Everything else, whether it's frustration, whether it's uh, just sort of comes out of that. And we need to allow them to just sort of, you know, dissect, understand, and feel each feeling. And then hopefully also the way we do it, they imbibe it and they can, you know, then deal with more bigger situations as they move out into the world. I really like that. I can really relate to that because I think this, you know, this athlete brain sort of thing that I keep finding myself going back to and what I learned is that I think that, and the life lessons I continue to feel is that, you know, I'm, I'm surprisingly, I'm not a very competitive person. I like the idea of pushing and pushing myself and seeing where I can go, you know, and I like to show up. I like to participate. I like to show that I put in the hard work, you know, I like to sort of demonstrate that I'm able to do uh, those sort of skills rather than chase the aesthetic goals of like what my job actually provides because people are like, oh, you know, it's your job and that's why, you know, you look like this. And I'm like, yes, but it's also because I don't chase like the size of my muscle every day or the how small my waist is. You know, I don't, I don't show up to work with that as the criteria, but I show up to say, you know, how can I be the best version of myself knowing that I've put in hard work, that I've challenged myself and that I showed up, you know, pregnancy right now is one of those like scenarios in my life that I'm learning that I have to you know, give myself some rest and recovery. And also there is a time to push myself during this time as well. But both things need to work hand in hand, right? You're, you need to be able to pass on that idea to your kids that taking time out to recuperate or to replan or to, you know, recover is equally important as is pushing yourself, showing up, you know, staying committed to like what you sort of like set out to do. Because honestly, you know, keeping it real and accepting that our current reality is anything but ideal, right? It changes all the time. It's honestly an exhilarating journey. And we're doing this alongside with our children, right? For them, everything is something new. I, I sometimes find that so mind-blowing that he's seeing or doing something for the first time, you know? Like, how rare is it for us to see something for the first time or feel something for this time now? It's just so rare, right? But as a kid, that's that's what they're doing, right? And you want to celebrate them becoming these unique individuals and get in on that excitement about seeing it for the first time and then guide them correctly. Because at the end of the day, they push us to be the best versions of ourselves. They remind us about, like, how beautiful the small things in life really are. I think kids are able to just keep reminding us about that. And being a mom, you know, truly lights up all those areas that we need to work on, actually. And therefore, you know, 
be the best coaches for our kids. Like, that's what we are. We're coaching them. And I think that's a massive responsibility that we need to remember. Phew. <laughs> Some deep stuff. Okay, that's probably... Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we've spoken enough. I think we've covered a lot. I don't even think I'm going to attempt to sum it up here. But I think that it was fantastic. You know, it's really like both of us individually have been wanting to start and do something like this. And we finally sort of, you know, we just connected after I don't know how many years and we've decided to do it, which is just fantastic. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm yeah. really glad. And I'm, I'm soon going to have muscles like Zoe. She's training me. Ah. Just guys. And you'll see that I will be showing them off very soon. But <laughs> I don't know <laughs> when that's going to happen, but that should happen. <laughs> okay. So I think we've got a little game time, right? We, we have a fun way to sort of like something a little, you know, like an element of sort of drama to our show at the end of every episode. And we are going to do our own version of a rapid fire round, which is where I'm going to ask questions. In this case, I'm just ask, asking them. But me and you, Sonali, are going to just answer yes or no immediately, like as fast as we can without much time to really think about our answers. And we want to try and make this as rapid fire as possible. And got some, you know, some controversial questions in there, which I think are fun, which I think will be interesting if we end up having different responses that maybe we can elaborate on them if we choose to, if we want to. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Question one. Is it okay to lie to your kids about Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy? Yes. No. (laughs) Can you imagine? I have no idea why I said yes, because I think lying actually is very wrong. But at the same time, I was lied to, okay, for Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. (laughs) And I remember being very uh, excited about knowing about this magical creature. I read so many books about these people. Yeah, I don't know. And I debate this a lot in my mind. And I I know I have some time to decide. But first off, I'd probably say no. Because I like things told real. But that's just me. I don't know if that's exactly how Shiva would want it. So, but dude, like you're, you know, your 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 child is going to end up being the 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 buzzkill at all the parties when they're like, na na na, <laughs> Santa Claus ain't real. Like when Shivaya's playing oh with Zai, you're gonna be Zai's gonna be like, oh, Santa Claus is coming tonight, and she's gonna be like, no, it's your parents. Like, yeah, thanks, I think you know that's I need to read up a bit more on it before I make this in. But first off, I said no. Yeah, I'm a bit of a let's see, you know. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Okay, question two. Is it okay for parents to decide their children's career path? No. No. Yeah. Okay. Three. Breastfeeding in public. A big yay or nay? Big yay. Yes. Yes. At least that's what I think. I like how I'm saying correct as if like if I'm it like works teaching for you. you, you know. If it works for you, but I don't think it should be frowned <laughs> you, upon. Yeah. That's what we mean. And I think exactly. there's a lot of people yeah. Yeah. who do frown upon it. Okay. Question four. Should parents discipline other people's kids when they misbehave? No. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen. Okay. If my kid is hanging out with someone's kid and this this child is like being, um, you know, I'm obviously not going to be harsh and like, you know, yeah. throw my weight around and like pick a fight. <laughs> like I'm not going to do that. But what I mean is like, I think that I would definitely try to use some of my ways of like calming the situation or approaching it or at least being like you know like no okay, that's different to discipline the way you should if be. you discipline means that you're like I mean, if you okay obviously if like saying no right 
Are you going to say no to I, them? I'd say I, it once, I'd say it twice, but I wouldn't push. Like, in the sense that, you know... You know, I'm just going to pick a random child's name and be like, no, George. <laughs> okay, You're, you can't bite Zai. Like, I'm going to be like, yeah. you know, and no, vice versa. It's different if that child is inflicting something on your child. It's a tough one. Yeah, of course. But no, if I see this, if I see this kid beating up another kid's, another person's child, I'll be like, go for it. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> oh my god I need to I generally uh, I, don't, I don't know man Maybe I would Yeah Not been in a situation yet Clearly you're not sending Shavaya over to Zai for playdates Clearly You're gonna be like Actually I mean With Myri, I mean Which is my best friend's daughter I think that I have told her But I've not tried to Discipline her Because every parent Has such a different Parenting style right Like I'll say Okay Myri, Don't do that You know Maybe try this But I mean That's about it Like I, I'd be very clear About boundaries Maybe that's what I mean to say Yeah Okay Five, do you ever bribe your kids with treats to get things done? I've done it, so... So, I don't know what I mean by the treats. Is it a food treat or like a like something else? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, we I keep a stash of, let's say, candy. And when I really need her to do something and I'm not able to, like sometimes she's just randomly thrown a tantrum because she doesn't want to go to school. I know she's okay to go to school, but she's just in that zone. I was like, okay, here gets the candy out, you know, and then we're all happy, right? That kind of stuff I have done, even though it's against that whole reward versus thing. But sometimes, you know, yeah. Fair. Okay. So, so if we're using the food and the thing, because I, I genuinely just don't believe in that being the reason to do stuff. I've never used food. Or like even screen time. Screen time is a treat, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's what I mean. Like I've used uh, like, oh, but I, I say it differently. I try to and I'll be like, okay, do you want to relax? Do you want to chill out? Let's watch something like, you know, time out. Like this is how I approach it. I don't know whether it rubs off in the same way, but I think this is a good, it's a good question. Okay. Uh, this, I think we've kind of answered. Question number six is screen time allowed during mealtimes just to ensure they eat. I'm going to say sometimes yes. Yes. Um, okay. But we've explained our reasons as to why. Okay. Question seven. Have you ever looked at another friend's kid, maybe your child's best friend, and been like, dude, my kid is way cooler? Ooh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, mean, I have too many friends who have too many. Like, <laughs> no, cooler. I'm like, oh, phew. Thank God my kid, my kid is not doing that. And then, and then I'll turn around and Zai will be like licking the floor. Oh and I'll be like, God. um... <laughs> oh my God. Every parent, every parent is guilty of this, dude. Every parent. Any parent who says they are not is like, for sure. Are, okay? They are, for sure. <laughs> they are, they are. They have, oh they have this little, these voices in their head that are just chitter-chattering to them about saying like, oh, thank God mine doesn't do that. I agree. Okay. Question number eight, is fast food ever acceptable meal for kids? No, but as they grow older, it, it will be. Yeah, I've given Zai chicken nuggets and fries once. I gave him like half my filet filet fish burger. Yeah, actually, yeah. Now I've allowed. Okay, next one. Question nine, do you believe in helicopter parenting or are you more of a free-range parent? Free-range. You're always waiting for me to respond, dude. That's not good. <laughs> seeing this. this this is happening on question you know, after question because i'm just like am i am i ready I'm, for the repercussions that i'm gonna get you know like i'm just like oh i ain't judging you so go for I, it i feel like i'm judging myself actually i'm just like wow i feel like i'm somewhere in between i feel like merge the two you know i'm like yeah yeah okay something like okay, that. last question okay <laughs> last one question number 10 white lies to kids sometimes necessary or a complete no-go 
necessary. Necessary. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Sonali, with every episode, let's just do this because this is uh, an exciting part and I think that it's important. This is how we will give across our very own fierce and fearless take home for our listeners. So, Sonali, do you want to go ahead and tell me how you feel? Yeah. So, fierce and fearless take home is basically be fearless and embrace, you know, nurture bravery in your little one. Uh, bringing up your child with fear is, I think, by far the worst thing you can do. There's just no two ways about it. And it's very tough to identify what is bringing up with fear versus what is not, of course, because that is a tough thing. But do some research, look internally, figure that out. I mean, does that statement that you're going to say trigger fear in you, think about it, internalize it, right? So because literally, if we tell them that, okay, this is a cockroach, be scared of it, they're going to be scared of it all their life. So think about it, right? Like this is, you know, and especially if you are scared of it, then the 100%, right? So like I've made sure, I've gone to the extreme where I tell Shivaya repeatedly that you are not scared of anything, you can handle anything. And as she grows up, I will start telling her that, you know what, of course you're not scared of anything, but you have to think about it. But right now I want to literally engrave it in her brain that she's completely fearless, cold water, cockroach, snake, whatever the hell that comes through, you're not scared, right? You're completely fearless. You can do whatever the hell you want in your life. So that's my take home when you come to, you know, nurturing. And it's been tough for me to imbibe that and be that person. But I think I'm slowly now getting there. So cultivate courage, emotional literacy in our children. And then, you know, hopefully that's going to stick for life. So to end, my fierce and fearless take home for everyone today is that you want to embrace adaptability. Sure, we can plan every little detail. We want to always be prepared for the tides to change. But we have to remember that we don't want to wish away the hard seasons. And I think that this again comes back to this athlete mindset. Because there are times that you're going to be challenged. And trust me, it's all going to go by so quickly with your kid. They're like fleeting moments. The next stage is like there already. And I assure you, that and i'm i'm living it already where you you know you find your way back to yourself and you realize that the, the tough times were momentary and they move on and every season of your life will demand a different kind of you as the the intensity as as or the role of the mother that you will play to your child will change right each passing season will be different and we often find ourselves torn between the ideal and the reality of our situations, right? We get confused between these two things. But the little secret here is that dealing with the real, the here and the now and being present is the best way to actually take on that. And I feel that I think as a parent, this is something we need to remind ourselves. And even as a human being, right, being present I think is the most important thing. And to understand that adapting to every situation is, is, is key. Motherhood is a journey that you will be embarking on with your kid. It's not you on your own, actually. Uh, I know that we haven't mentioned husbands much during this whole episode. We really have you know, they play a, They play this very small role, <laughs> and we will address it at some at, at some point in life. We will we will bring them in. Oh okay? my god! Um, but you know, kids. You know, our kids really feed off our our every word and yeah. action, and it's an, an incredible blessing for us to actually get to watch these humans grow into these unique people, right? They take the foundations that we provide and they blossom into something of, of their own. Because, you know, mother, motherhood 
you know, has this amazing knack, and I, I think you can agree, to, to show us everything that we need to work on, right? It shows us how to be... The true self comes out. Correct, right? Our kids, yeah. they guide us, they show us where we need to grow. And they, as we navigate this journey, like with them, it's our responsibility to kind of ensure that our parenting methods are adaptable and open-minded, yet grounded and steadfast at their core, right? You know, how I believe in a strong core. So being fierce and fearless, but flexible in the journey of raising these beautiful souls, I think is my take home for our listeners. Anyways, guys, it is, uh, it's a wrap, okay? We're, we're done. I think we've had a really good episode number one. Parenting is not a size that fits all. Let's trust our instincts. Let's celebrate the small victories. And, you know, we're in this together, right? So you guys, you moms out there, you want to reach out, just DM Zoe, DM me, reach out to my page at FeedSmart or just, you know, drop us an email. All our details will be there and we're completely accessible and would love, absolutely love to hear from you. So thank you so much for your time today. Listeners, don't forget to hit that follow button on your favorite audio platform so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember, your support means a lot to us. It's what's going to get some of these conversations out there. There's so much that we have in store and we can't wait to share all these topics with you. So until next time, ladies, stay fierce, stay fearless and embrace the beautiful chaos of parenthood. Keep shining, ladies. Well, ladies, that's a wrap on another really energizing episode of Fierce and Fearless. We hope our conversation has sparked something within you and given you some fiery inspiration to carry your day forward. And remember, you're not just our listeners. You're our tribe, our community, and we're eager to hear your thoughts, your stories, and all your questions. So just don't even for a second hesitate to reach out to us on any of our platforms or Instagrams. Share your victories, your challenges, and let's keep the energy rolling and this powerful dialogue going. Don't forget to follow our show on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. We've got a collection of empowering discussions waiting just for you. So until next time, ladies, remember you are fierce, you're fearless, and you are part of a vibrant sisterhood. Stay bold and keep shining. 